Well, welcome back to another edition of the Borders Extra podcast uh, here on jconline.com through SoundCloud. Mike Carmen covers Purdue Sports for the Journal and Courier uh, newspaper and jconline.com. Uh, usually you would find this in your, uh, oh, alert, you know, it would pop up on your phone or whatever, uh, so you could listen to Saturday morning. But, uh, to be honest, it, uh, I got to my truck about 2.30 in the morning and I'm barely coherent, uh, when I'm awake to put one of these things together and I thought there's no way that I'm going to be coherent enough at that ungodly hour to try to piece together what happened um, (laughs) Friday night at Mackey Arena. So we record this Saturday morning after a few hours of sleep. Uh, uh, So if if there's a delay in getting the podcast to you, I apologize, but uh, I went for... uh, clarity over uh immediacy there uh but anyway uh friday night purdue wins its big 10 opener uh it wasn't without drama probably too much drama uh for for a for a purdue team that um you know needs to solve some issues as they move forward through the big 10 uh but 77 to 70 is the final uh purdue wins its opener uh, it had a 19-point lead until it became a two-point lead. And uh, I know a lot of you probably thought of that Iowa game several years ago. I think it was on Rick Mount bobblehead night that that Purdue wilted uh, before the Iowa press and the trapping and uh, gave away a big game there. Uh, they nearly did it on uh, Friday night, but got saved uh, by some rebounding late. Um and the ability to hit some free throws late uh, to pull pull the, to pull this one out. Um, the first thing that comes to mind about the game, um, from a from an individual player standpoint, is uh, Mason Gillis uh, was huge at the beginning and at the end. Um, I thought he gave him. I thought he gave uh, the team a big spark uh, when he when he came in for Caleb first subbing in. Uh, he got seven points like in two minutes, but his hustle on the boards kind of elevated the team's energy level uh, because uh, they were struggling a little bit. In, in part because they they were just they didn't get off to a good start shooting wise, and that 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 has been a question around this team in the early season because they've shot fifty percent in every game. Well, you know what happens when they don't shoot well? What happens when they're not hitting their early shots? What happens when three pointers are not going down? And I think we saw some of that on. On Friday, and then you know, but Gillis uh, helped them push the lead up, and then from there, Purdue just kind of built that lead. But Mason was huge, uh, and he was uh, he was big uh, at the end of the game. He forced a jump ball situation, which kept the possession for Purdue. Uh, then he ended up um, getting two free throws out of that later, which helped kind of stem the tide a little bit and, and give Purdue a, a little bit more of a cushion. Uh, but he was big on the boards. Um, he ended up with, you know, the stats say he got three, but it seemed like 30. Uh, I know Travion had 18 and it seemed like 118. Uh, but, you know, Mason ended up with, uh, you know, 12 points, uh, and three rebounds. Only took three shots, but, uh, his free throws, six for six, was, were huge. And he got, I think, four of those in the first half and then those two late that kind of helped Purdue, 
uh, get by Iowa. But he, he was big. Travion, as I mentioned, was big on the boards, uh, 17 defensive boards for him. Um, you know, he was, he was cleaning up some of Iowa's misses late. Uh, and that was big. Uh, you know, obviously Jaden Ivey electrified the crowd with a couple of dunks. Uh, and when he gets out in transition, it's over. I mean, here's a guy that thrives on that. He's going to get out in the passing lanes. He had a couple steals. Um, and then to throw those down, you know, Mackey just got louder and louder with, with each dunk. And, um, he, he's a, he's a tremendous player. Uh, there's no one right now in the Big Ten that probably can keep up with him when he gets out in transition. You just kind of have to let him go. And, um, uh, but again, he, you know, if you remember against uh, uh, Florida State, you know, he hit some threes early, which got him going. He didn't hit the same shots on Friday, but was able to get out in transition and get, get some, get some, get some baskets that way because Purdue did struggle shooting the ball. I mean, they were just 21 of 50, you know, first time under 50% this year. They were 8 of 19 from three point range, which isn't, isn't horrible, but, um, you know, we've come to expect a little bit better from an offensive standpoint, uh, you know, for the, from this team. Uh, but this was a game where they had to do a lot of other things other than this score. And, you know, that's something that I think everybody's been wanting to see. Uh, and they got to the free throw line. You know, you get 37 attempts. Uh, it was a very physical game, but Purdue got 37 attempts at the free throw line and hit 27. Um, so while their shots were not falling, they were getting points elsewhere. And then the rebounding was big because they overcame, uh, the, the, the poor shooting percentage, uh, by basically limiting Iowa to one shot most of the night. Um, they, they had six offensive rebounds. So Purdue did a good job of, of finishing, uh, the possessions, but obviously the, the big story out of this will be, uh, Purdue's inability to handle Iowa's pressure, the traps, uh, the decision making, uh, the poor shot selection after getting the ball in the half court, the quick shot selection, um, all that stuff has to get cleaned up. I mean, it was, um, for an experienced team like this, for a team that has, where its guards have played a lot of games, um, you just, you, you can't, you just can't do that. And whether, you know, they, they just can't. They just can't do it. And there's got to be some different methods to, to breaking this press. You know, they are leaving guys in the backcourt by themselves. And some of it's positioning. There were some traps, uh, where you're picking up the ball at the half court line. That's a no no. Uh, you know, you, you're taught that in, uh, junior high. You know, you don't, don't let the sideline become another defender for you. And that happened to Purdue a couple times. They were trying to go over the top uh, a little bit too much, and the passes were not sharp enough. Um, so they, they've got a lot to work on. And it doesn't mean every team's going to press them and trap them the way Iowa did because not every team presses and traps, traps like Iowa. It's not, you know, the the blueprint that that came out last night is not – going to be the blueprint that every team uses uh, because not everybody does it. Not everybody can do it. Not everybody wants to do it. You know, there, there are teams that don't double in the, excuse me, that don't double in the post. 
So they don't do it, even though that's probably the way to play certain teams. You know, Purdue usually doubles in the post on defense because that's who they are. But there are there are a lot of teams that don't double in the post, Michigan State being one of them. And if you remember last year, they didn't double in the post, and Dravion went off in the second half and, and won that game for them. So just, just because, the you know, Iowa did what it did to Purdue doesn't mean Rutgers is going to do the same thing. Uh, if it's not part of who you know what Rutgers can do, then they're not going to do it. And they may try it here and there. And it's it, Purdue has handled Iowa's pressure before, and um, they've they've gone to Iowa City and Iowa has pressed and Purdue has beaten it and they back off. But Purdue never got um, in a position and never executed properly to to beat that that press uh, on uh, on Friday and. It, it it hurt them. It almost cost them. Um, but, you know, they did enough at the end to win the game. But there are, you know, there's going to be some lingering concerns out of this as they as they move into the next part of their schedule, going to Rutgers and going to North, or playing North Carolina State in Brooklyn. You know, how are they going to hold up uh, in those situations when teams come after them? You know, you can go back through the history of the last decade, you know, the VCUs of the world uh, that, you know, eliminated Purdue from the tournament. You know, North Texas, you know, had some pressure, you know, last year. So uh, it's not, you know, it, it's going to come again. And it's probably going to come from a team that's going to have better athletes than Iowa. Uh, so it's something that needs to get fixed. Um but fortunately for Purdue, they've got time uh, to fix it. And what you don't want it to do is to cost you a chance at a Big Ten title, a chance of advancing deep. So you've got to get it fixed uh, in the regular season. And just a word about Iowa. I mean, they, they didn't play without their top scorer, Keegan Murray. Uh, he was out with an ankle injury. Uh, he's the nation's second leading scorer. Uh, and, you know, they were right in this game. Even, I mean, even though they were down 19, they got back in this game. You know, with him in the game, you have no idea how things would have uh, gone, uh, how many shots he would have taken that other guys took. Uh, so you just can't say, well, if he played, Iowa would win. I, I don't know if that's a that that's a hard thing to say. They Iowa would much rather had him in the game, especially late if you know if they, if they if, when they needed a big basket, but. Um, you know, Purdue would have had already planned accordingly to, to defend him. Um, so I no idea what kind of game he had, but they, they certainly missed him. And if anything for Iowa, I think you give them a lot of credit for hanging in there, uh, and using their press to get back in the game. And now they have to feel once Keegan Murray gets back into their lineup when they play Illinois on, uh, Monday, that they're going to be better equipped for the Big Ten season. Um, now, I think Iowa, you would question their non-conference schedule coming into this week. Now, they, they did go to Virginia and win. That was a big win for them. But the way they played Purdue, how hard they played, and now, you know, when you insert Keegan Murray back into that lineup, this Iowa should probably be a top 25 team um, at some point this year. Uh because they played well enough to to maybe earn that right 
and we'll see how we'll see how it unfolds when they when they get Keegan back, and then they have to play Illinois uh, on uh, on Monday. You know, a lot of the pregame buzz around uh, Keegan not playing was Iowa had you know since they had a game have a game on Monday and trying to turn around so quickly, they elected to you know keep him out. Friday night thinking, well, with him less than a hundred percent, um, you know, I was probably going to struggle to beat Purdue anyway, but the game that they kind of had circled was Illinois at home thinking, get him back, get him healthy, get a home win against Illinois, split the first two games of the big 10, which you're probably going to do, which is probably what you needed to do anyway at the start, but trying to win at Purdue uh, with him and it, and you may re-injure their ankle or you may, you know, complicate matters a little bit more. But, um, I think they were kind of focused on the Illinois game and yeah, they almost pulled a big surprise on, um, on Friday night at Mac Arena. And that would have been a huge boost, boost for them. But I would look for Iowa maybe to get into the top 25 at some point this year. Uh, they showed enough Friday night and I think they showed enough against Virginia to, uh, to put them in that mix and that, you know, and that puts them in the, in the Big Ten conversation, championship conversation. Now, it's a 20 game season. It's, you know, once January gets here and then it's every, every week it's, it's a Big Ten game. Uh, we'll see how everything, everything plays out. Obviously Purdue is still the front runner, uh, to win the league. Um, and, you know, they might, they may, they, they have a chance to really pull away in this thing at some point. Uh, just because of what we've seen from the rest of the Big Ten has not been that good uh, up 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 to this point. Now things can change, things will change. You know there'll be some surprise teams, and you know Michigan will get its act together um, and, and be there. Uh, you're still going to have to beat Michigan to to win the Big Ten title and all that kind of stuff. But you know I think I was a team just just to kind of watch and see what happens uh, to them. Uh, you know as, as we get going here uh, in the Big Ten season. Uh, now Purdue is poised to be number one for the first time in program history. Uh, I know it's still hard to believe that uh, this program has never been ranked number one, um, but it's it's surely looking to happen on on Monday when the polls come out. Um, you know, Purdue. I think for the first thirty minutes, it was a no brainer that they would be number one. You know, if, if voters watch the last ten minutes, they may. They may not think that way, but I think you also have to look at the overall uh, resume that Purdue has put together here in the first eight games with wins over Villanova, North Carolina, Florida State. Um, you know they've taken care of business. They've shot the ball well. Uh, they, they've 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 beaten teams handily for the most part. Um, you know the two wins in Connecticut really elevated their stock. And then what they did to Florida State the other night, granted they were missing some players, um, but the way they handled them, um, you know, kind of adds to, yes, they, they do have that profile of a number, number one team. Uh, you know, Duke, Duke losing obviously op- opens the door for that. Um, and Purdue should be number one. They won't, they, they won't be unanimous. I don't, I don't believe so. I don't think that's, that's going to, excuse me, come with that. But I, I, I think they've done enough, at least right now, to be number one. And it is a big deal. And yet, you know, the fact that Purdue hasn't done it makes it a bigger deal. 
you know, if this if Purdue had been ranked number one five times, six times in the course of uh, their history, um, it may not be as big a deal. But this is something that's never happened in your lifetime. You know, this is something that's about to happen that nobody has ever seen. And it hasn't been one of these things that's like, oh, you know, I wonder when Purdue's going to get ranked number one. Well, it's just, it's just, you know, you thought maybe when they had the three amigos, it would happen. Or when they had Glenn Robinson, it, it would happen. You know, but now, you know, now it's, it, it's, should happen. I mean, I, I don't, I don't see, I don't see a, a way why it doesn't happen, but, you know, it's happened and now they got to stay there. And now they had a big target when, um, they started the year. Uh, but now they're going to have a bigger target and their first game as a number one team will be on the road, uh, at, at Rutgers. Uh, so, you know, and this will be Purdue's first true road game as well. So you've got a couple things, uh, to deal with. You know, this is a mature team, an experienced team, although obviously they didn't show it at times, uh, late in Friday night's game. But, you know, how do they handle this success now? How do they handle, uh, having that target? And did, knowing that if they won Friday night, play a little bit of role or play a factor in, into how Friday's, Friday's game kind of unfolded. Uh, you know, they, they know what's going on in, in the world. They know what was at stake Friday, not only in the, on the Big Ten landscape, but they know that, it, you know, if they won, they would be number one. And you, you just, you kind of wonder if some of those thoughts, you know, just got in the way of, of what they've done here because they were not as sharp as, as we've seen them at the start of games. Uh, some of that can be contributed just to Big Ten play, I think, is that, you know, everybody knows everybody. It doesn't matter when you play them. Iowa players know Purdue. Purdue knows Iowa. So some of that could have played a role, but I think an underlying factor would be that, you know, they, they knew what was at stake. They knew how big a game that Friday was not only to start the Big Ten season one to know, but to to climb into the number one spot, and players react differently to those things. Um, I mean, the crowd set, certainly was into it. I think the crowd understood the the significance of the game and did its best to to try to push things along. Uh, but the the crowd was juiced all night, uh, knowing that a win would would push this program into the number one spot. And I just maybe, you know, maybe the players just, you know, had to ease their way into the game a little bit. But it, it certainly doesn't uh, offer any excuses of why this team had a 19-point lead and they let it get down to two. Um, and that's, uh, wow, the whole cliche that, bas- bas- you know, basketball is a game of runs. It certainly is. But, you know, this is an experienced team that really um, – will need to do a better job of, of not allowing those things to happen because you get on the road and that momentum gets, you know, starts building against you is really when you have to be tough minded and overcome the adversity part of, of what you're dealing with. Um, so, and there'll be plenty of tests for that on the road and that, that'll start, uh, uh, Thursday at Iowa. Well, uh, we appreciate you stopping by. I do want to, I didn't get their names, but I was finishing up on Press Row and Mackey at the end of the game. 
Uh, I was running a little bit late. The two gentlemen came down uh, to this, to say hi and how much they appreciated the podcast. Uh, I didn't get their name, so I do apologize. Uh, they, they wanted to take a picture for some ungodly reason uh, to ruin their phones and ruin their camera. Uh, but uh, I appreciate you guys stopping by. If you want to email me your names, I can give you a shout-out uh, on the podcast. Uh, but it was very nice of you guys to to wander down there. And uh, I thought it was going to be late for the press conference, but uh, fortunately I weaved my way through the through the crowd. So that was very nice. Appreciate it. Um, and obviously questions, comments, concerns, email. Uh, we're not going to do any uh, questions today. Uh, uh, we'll, we'll save that uh, for, for later. Uh, because coming up <clears throat> Sunday, Purdue will find out its bowl destination for football. Uh, and we'll try, you know, we'll try to put together a, uh, a podcast uh, about what 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 awaits the football team uh, coming up after they learn their destination. You know, a lot is going to be determined what happens in these championship games on Saturday. Um, obviously, the, the the Big Ten one affects Purdue the most. Uh, if Michigan wins, they're in the college football playoff. Ohio State goes to the Rose Bowl. Uh, Michigan State probably gets in a New Year's Six uh game and then Iowa most likely goes to the Citrus uh and then things start to fall in place there you know does Wisconsin go to the Outback is Purdue part of the Outback discussion which I think they have been but is that the right place for them uh so a lot of questions need to be answered if if Iowa would somehow beat Michigan then Iowa goes to the Rose Bowl the Big 10 would not get a team in the college football playoff that would move uh, virtually everybody down a spot. Um, and then your New Year's Six, the Rose Bowl, I would I said I would go to the Rose Bowl. Then Ohio State would probably be a New Year's Six Bowl uh, team. And then the Citrus and the Outback would start filling in with like Michigan, Michigan State. And then you're pushing Wisconsin, Purdue, Minnesota down a little bit further, and that would open up uh, some other bowls for Purdue, um, anywhere from Las Vegas to Phoenix, uh, back to Nashville. I know that's a, uh, Nashville's not a, uh, site <laughs> or a, a place that, uh, it brings any, brings a lot of fond memories for Purdue fans. Uh, the game obviously got out of hand that year, but I don't think you can argue, uh, the impact that the Purdue fan base had on the city of Nashville. In fact, I looked it up, uh, that year was 2018, the economic impact of the, the Music City Bowl. You know, it's not just Purdue fans, but overall in general, uh, was nearly $25 million, uh, for the city of Nashville. Now, that, that was the highest during a five year span. So I think music, the Music City Bowl really likes Purdue. They like the fan base coming down. You know, the game was the game and it was not a good game. <clears throat> it exposed Purdue on a lot of fronts. Uh, and, you know, some of the, uh, just, uh, you know, backroom talk as well. Purdue needs to avoid an SEC team, you know, things like that. But at some point you got to get back up on the, on the horse and go. And if Purdue's ever going to be, if Purdue ever wants to be in a, in a, in a conversation of, you know, beating elite programs and beating teams, you're going to have to beat, you know, an SEC team of your, of your own, uh, weight class at some point. And, um, and this might be the year to do it. It may not be the year to do it because we don't know exactly if George Karloftis and David Bell 
will play in the bowl game. And, you know, I think we pretty much know that George and David are not coming back next year, but the bigger question or the, or the short term question is, will they play in the bowl game? Uh, those, whether those decisions have been made, uh, no idea. Um, the other factor would be Aiden O'Connell coming back. But I regard, if Aiden O'Connell didn't come back next year, he would, he would still play in the bowl game. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure. Um, but there, there's some, you know, some questions, you know, if Purdue should be, you know, quite honestly playing, um, you know, an SEC team if you, if you don't, if you're not going to have your main guns and would they be better off in another bowl if you didn't have George and David? Um, just from a competitive standpoint, it, it, you know, it's not, it's not degrading anybody else on the team. It's just, that's a fact. You want your two best players on the field when you're playing in a bowl game, regardless of who you're playing, but it may not be the best situation for this year's team. But anyway, Nashville likes Purdue. You know, I think Purdue liked Nashville. I think the fans like going there. Uh, the opponent in the Music City Bowl, uh, what I, what I've heard would, would most likely be Tennessee, uh, if it got there. But there's other options out there. You've got New York City with an ACC team. As we mentioned, Phoenix, that would be a Big 12 team. The Pac-12 would be, a, uh, in Las Vegas. So there's some other options there. Uh, and the, and the bowls are not done. From a pecking order standpoint anymore, it's more of a, I don't like, really like the word cl- collaboration of the bowls and the conferences and make sure that, uh, teams are not going back to the same area time and time again. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens, but, uh, we'll, we'll recap that after, after Sunday and, uh, get a better feel for, for what, what may lie, might lie ahead for, uh, the football team, uh, in the postseason. We appreciate you stopping by. Sorry, uh, getting this posted late. Uh, but you know, these nine o'clock games, uh, are not a, uh, <laughs> they're, they're not conducive for a lot of people and including old guys like me, you know, trying to, uh, get enough rest <laughs> in, in the, in these, uh, busy times of, uh, of, of covering anything. But, uh, it beats working for a living. So I'm going to, I'm going to try to keep doing it. Uh, Again, appreciate you stopping by. Have a good day. Enjoy the conference championship games if that's uh, what you're going to do. And then, you know, obviously enjoy uh, Purdue moving to the number one ranking uh, coming up on Monday. All right. Have a good day. Have a good weekend. And uh, we'll be back uh, early next week with uh, more on the podcast.